to episode 18 of In the Abstract, the Lakeland Title Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson, the owner and founder of Lakeland Title. And for this episode, we're going to talk about real estate movies. So these are going to be movies that uh, are films that involve real estate, or maybe, you know, real estate plays a prominent role. And for that, we're bringing back one of our guests, Nathan Velasquez. He was on a, another episode of our podcast where we discussed Louisiana homes in film. And so he's a uh, film expert, and you may know him from YouTube, from The Five Minute Critic which is a YouTube channel that he has that you should check out. Uh, so we brought him back on to discuss all things movie related that, that involve real estate. So thanks, Nathan, for coming back on. Yeah, thank you for thank you for having me back on the back on the podcast. And I actually last time we spoke was in Los Angeles and now I am in New York City and New York City. People talk about real estate a whole lot more here. Than oh, they yeah, do it's kind, of a, in kind of a big thing up there. <laughs> yeah. And it if it's still insanely expensive, but still more reasonably priced. The saddest thing about LA was that you could hardly even look at a house for like less than 350,000. Like you couldn't even drive by it for that amount of money. You needed hundreds of thousands of dollars, like millions of dollars for even like a shabby home. So you find New York real estate more reasonable than LA? New York City real estate is not more reasonable, (laughs) but you can get on a train and in less than 45 minutes be in an area where you have much more reasonable real estate prices. Okay, there we go. There we go. So, uh, yeah, so you ready to jump right into it? I have a list of movies yeah, yeah, yeah. we can talk about. And uh, go hopefully, ahead. Hopefully, you've seen these. And if not, you know, maybe I can fill, I can fill you in because I've seen them all. So, the uh, ones that I did, have not seen or wasn't able to get back to for the podcast, I have questions. So, so okay. you, I'll, hopefully, can, you can help fill me in on those. So, we're going to start with The Money Pit, which was Tom Hanks, Shelley Long, 1986. This is an older one. Uh, critics didn't really like it. I enjoyed it, but it might just be because it was showed on TV a lot when I was growing up. Uh, so this is the story. They, they buy this house. They think they're getting a great deal on this, this kind of fixer-upper house, this you know, beautiful mansion. And of course, it just turns out to be a nightmare and you know, kind of challenges their relationship. Uh, but kind of the whole story is kind of them going through this process of renovating this horrible house. And the reason they call it a money pit is that, you know, that's a term in real estate where you just keep throwing money into this kind of disaster property. You fix one thing, another thing breaks, or you try to fix something and three more things that are broken are discovered. And, and that kind of, that kind of process. I actually saw this for the first time, like right whenever the lockdown started. So I I liked seeing that this was going to be on the list. This one was still, still pretty fresh. I thought this one was fun. I love watching the older Tom Hanks movies. And that was the first time seeing it. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. I, the thing that I felt most in wa- going through these or thinking back through these is on the list, there's like a, a bunch of movies that fit into like the corporate category. And you talk about real estate from a corporate perspective. And then there's some that are like fully personal and the real estate takes on a whole new meaning. And this one I felt, I mean, fits more in the personal category. Um, but I, I, I first of all think that it's just it's it's incredibly funny, uh, you know, the young couple um, not being honest with themselves at all about the situation before they even buy the house. That's what I kind of felt like the movie or like the, the, the house or the real estate portion represents was uh, just a total lack of lack of honesty between the two characters. And then the more that you go through the movie, like near the end, they finally have to kind of be honest with themselves. And that's the that's like the first time that they actually take a, a step into actually re- getting everything together and repairing everything. But I, I even still, I love this movie. I thought it was very funny. What do you think of it? I thought it was great. I mean, I think it's funny. And uh, I mean, the part with the contractor, every time they would ask him, when's it going to be finished? And it was always, oh, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks will be. I mean, 
because that's, that's, you know, anybody who's ever done any kind of renovation or construction project or whatever, that is really kind of what they say. It's always, oh yeah, two weeks. Yeah. We'll be done. And it's never, it's never that. And so nothing ever comes. Is that, how, is that incredibly common? How common is that? Like, is that just the standard? Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, nobody really knows. I mean, there's so many different things that, that can affect a construction project. So, you know, weather affects it. Uh, if your subcontractors just don't show up, cause that happens a lot. They, you know, don't show up or whatever, or, you know, you've got other jobs going on at the same time. And so one job gets delayed, it delays another job. And so, yeah, so they just kind of guess and they always say things like that. Like, oh yeah, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. But, you know, and, and do you, you know. have a circumstance? What's the closest circumstance you've been in or you've heard of that is closest to this story? Well, when my brother was renovating his house, uh, it was right when he, in the middle of his renovation is when the, uh, the big flood hit Baton Rouge. And oh, so, 2016. Yeah. And so Man. it was right in the middle of it. And so that just, you know, threw everything into chaos because you had, you know, everybody needed work done. And so subcontractors were very busy, you know, supplies were, were hard to come by and all that kind of stuff. And so it was definitely that kind of situation where it's like, you know, maybe they'll show up and, and do the work today. Maybe not. Who, who knows? <laughs> Goodness. Wow. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I watched last so you're actually the last two years. Have you watched the reality show on Netflix selling sunset? No, I haven't seen that yet. So, uh, but that I've, I've is entertaining. Trailers, so. You've okay. It's inter- It's more entertaining than I, it was not my idea to watch it, but I definitely, I got, it was very entertaining. It was took like two episodes to be like full on into it. And they do always kind of talk about that when they're in the development stage, the, Oh, yeah. oh this thing will be like, it was filmed in 2017. And they're like, we're hoping it'll be done by like, 2020 or something, or they'll be on a project. And then one of them will be like, well, this was supposed to be done like three years ago before any of you even worked here. And we're still working on it. Exactly. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, and the money pit, uh, that movie, the actual house from that movie, somebody ended up buying it to renovate it. And it ended up being an actual money pit. Like they bought it to renovate it and they did the renovation, but they ended up having to sell it for a loss because the renovation was so extensive. And when was this? That was the eighties. The movie was in the 80s. The person, I think it was in the 2000s or uh, yeah, maybe early 2000s when the people bought it and actually tried to renovate it and had to end up selling wow. it at a loss. So the money pit house ended up being an actual money pit in the end. Poor guys. <laughs> Poor yeah. guys. Wow. But still a great movie. I mean, Tom Hanks is always great and Shelley Long. She's, you know, classic so, okay. actress. I don't, you might remember, I don't fully remember this part of the movie. Did Shelley Long know that she didn't sleep with Walter? And she was uh, just using that as like kind of a thing towards Tom Hanks, like just as like a fight, a possible fight. I don't think, no, she didn't. Cause she didn't remember what, what happened. She found out later and she didn't tell him. Uh, okay. She did. She, she didn't at first she thought she did. And then she found out later she didn't sleep with the conductor guy. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah and, Cause and, I it, she after, didn't tell him until the end when he said he did, he was okay with it and he still wanted to, to be in the relationship. And then she, I think she told him. That. that was the only th- I love the movie. I think the movie is very funny. That was the only part of the movie where afterwards, I, me and the other pe- people we watched with was like, yeah, no, no, that was cool. But then also like she was kind of a dick for the way that she was going about, like withholding that information, giving that information. Yeah. I guess but trying to test the strength of the relationship, I guess. Uh, that's how you test it. That's the right way to test the strength of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess in the 80s, things were different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so then the next so one is, yeah. uh, the next one is the breakup 2006, uh, Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston, 
Had you seen I it? saw this. I saw this one right whenever it came out, and I did rewatch it as well. So I am I am fully up. I know who was at fault. I remember everyone's <laughs> motives and everything like that in the breakup. What What did you think of the movie? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. This, so this movie is about uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. Their characters meet and you know start a relationship, and they buy this condo, and uh, then they break up, and they have to go through the process of of selling the condo and. Uh, I mean, I thought it was funny. I mean, Vince Vaughn, I've always been a big fan of him. And uh, I just think most of his movies that he does, anytime he's in something, I think he brings a, a, a humor to the character that I enjoy. Uh, and Jason Bateman was in this one too, as the realtor. And uh, Is this the only movie with an actual realtor? Like, like a realtor is a re- very commonly recurring character, not someone that just shows up at one point. Did another movie have one? Yeah, there's been a bunch of movies that, that have involved realtors. In it. Well, I mean, like on this list. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. I'm trying to think back. Who else was a realtor? Did the Queen of Versailles have one? I don't think so. No, Mm-mm. but Glenn Gary. Forget which other. Glenn and Ross. That, that they're all realtors. I guess they are <laughs> realtors. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. They seem they seem like a different, like not the type of realtor you think of. They're well, like that was the early. Realtors. That was the very early days of of realtors. So. They oh might really? Been, they might have just been agents. It might have been before a realtor was a big. Because realtor and when did realtor become a big thing? Different things. Hmm? Oh, okay. Well, I I just I, I just go through basic renting processes. I, I have yet to really get a full on realtor, so I'm yeah. I'm out of knowing the logistics of all that. Yeah. So real estate agent is what your state license makes you. So if you get to to, okay. to buy and sell real estate for people to represent people in those transactions, you become a real estate agent, and you get your state license through that. To be a realtor is when you join the board of realtors. And so they're the people who control okay. the, the MLS, the multiple listing service and all that kind of stuff. So you join, it's a separate organization on top of the regular state licensing scheme. Gotcha. Okay. That, if I had known that, I probably would have seen the breakup totally differently. Yeah. But I mean, most every real estate agent is a realtor because uh, it's hard to get access. You can't get access to the MLS, the multiple listing service, if you're not a realtor, because it's it belongs to them. And, uh, and if you're sponsoring broker, is a realtor you have to be a realtor also so that kind of thing but uh well so how how close did did jason bateman do it a good job playing the role close to that type of personality well it was funny because one of the lines when he's talking about it and he says uh i don't even want to take a commission on this and they said oh you're not going to take a mission and he's like oh wait no i have to it's company I have policy, to. but i don't want that to. was you know, funny that, that was funny because i mean that you know that's very typical i mean that I don't want to, but I have to. It's company policy. I can't. There is like what? If I could waive it, I would, but <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I can't. Policy, I can't. Do, you know. So that was kind of funny. That that was a funny line of this. Well, I really, I think the breakup was was very funny, very fun. The, it felt like on this one, the the property represented more a level of immaturity. Like throughout the entire thing, like even in that scene with Jason Bateman, like it's very clear. I think he even says like, neither of you can do this. Like it, it, doing this breakup, this is not going to work. You both need to get out of here. Like y'all yeah. are not seeing the forest for the trees on this issue. And at first, whenever the st- breakup starts, I was full on like, this is Vince Vaughn's fault. Like he is not, he's he's leaving so much slack behind on his end that like <laughs> she needs to get out of this thing. And then the more that she the more ways she tries to like repair things or move forward is just also so childish that they like yeah. in the middle of it, like by the time Jason Bateman's character has to sit down with two, what is it? They're, they're playing a, what is it? Pictionary? Is that what they're playing? I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just so, so awkward. 
They do. It, it does a really good job. They do. I, I think that they uh, it feels like the apartment, again, is a character in this. And they're both just so immature. They have no idea what to do with it. Well, and everyone, everyone can learn a lesson from it because, I mean, you know, I do closings, you know, all day, every day. And so uh, I see this all the time where people are buying a house with somebody they're not married to. Uh, and it's just I can't tell them anything, but I kind of want to say, like, please don't do this. Like, because if you, you know, <laughs> if you're married and you get divorced, there's a process to, you know, separate that property. But if it's just somebody you're dating, you're just co-owners and it's it can create so many problems when you try to get out of it uh, outside of just the relationship issues, just the legal you know, getting out of it. Because if one person doesn't want to sell, it, it just can create all kinds of headaches. <laughs> so you in your role, you don't have to actually be there whenever they do break up or do you come back into the picture for that? Um, only if they would need to transfer the property in some way outside of like some sort of court order. So okay. if they, if they were have gonna, you been involved in anything like that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. Where uh, so one person will buy the other person out or they'll, you know, donate their, their half of the property to the other person, you know, in exchange for that person taking over the mortgage and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It does happen. Sounds a lot. depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but is know, it funny? It's, it's just real estate transfers. You know, the, the weirdest ones are when people are in the process of getting divorced and they're selling a house. Those are the weirdest ones. Uh, because they're not divorced yet. And so they both have to be at the closing or they both have to sign. And it just becomes a crazy situation. You know, I've had ones where they're arguing over repairs that they should be reimbursed for. And they try to bring me into it. And I just have to tell them, like, <laughs> leave me out of this, like handle this between yourselves or with your lawyers or whatever. Like, I'm not negotiating any of this stuff. Like, just tell me who to make reimbursement checks to and I'll do it. But I'm not, I'm not. But you've just, you've got the breakup, two copies of the breakup on Blu-ray and be like, this is all I can give you guys. Exactly. This is, all yeah. that you, this yeah. is the only exactly. offering that I can give you in this fight. Yes. Take your lessons from whatever. <laughs> but I, well, I don't know which, what's the next one? Just because I'm just uh, curious. The Queen of Versailles. Okay. Well, then the only, the last thing I was going to say about the breakup was that on the DVD of this, because I got this, I remember like my parents got this to watch way back when it came out. And I remember that on the front of the, like the DVD menu, you had to choose a character that you were going to support, like either the oh. Jennifer Aniston side of it. And it looked like the poster because the poster was like a piece of duct oh, yeah. tape going right down a bed. And that reminded me a lot. I, I thought of that moment, that part of the DVD menu, whenever in War of the Roses, he kind of puts the blueprint out and they've mapped out and color coded who gets what <laughs> part of the house. Yeah. So if, if that was, I just wanted to mention that. And if, if War of the Roses was next, then that'd be, that'd be a cool segue. But I it's watched the Queen up, of Versailles. So, yeah. I watched the Queen of Versailles oh. last night. Amazing. It's so funny. Amazing. It's this great. Is, it's this one is a documentary uh, about Jackie Siegel, former Miss Florida, uh, and her husband, David Siegel, the uh, founder and CEO of Westgate Resorts, which is a timeshare company. And uh, it's the process of them building this 85,000 square foot home in Florida, which at that time was going to be, it was the largest single family home that someone was actually going to live in. The Biltmore is look... bigger, but no okay. one lives there. I... Like no one lives That's there. That's what I yeah. I didn't look it up, but I was wondering that, like, if this came out in 2012, has there been a larger house built there since then? Been. Is it still number one? Well, okay. there has been. But the thing is, so they haven't lived in that house yet. The 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 Queen of Versailles house, they haven't moved in yet. I think it might still even be under construction. Uh, but someone else has built a bigger one, but no one's moved into that one yet either. And then the Biltmore Estate, people actually live there. That's 178,000 square feet. It's a museum now, but someone did live there at, at one point. And so that has so that's almost it's almost largest. double then. Yeah. Mm. 
but nobody lives Jeez. there anymore. It's just a museum. So, but at one point somebody lived there. So that, that has the record for the largest. And so. <laughs> That's insane. I saw that they are planning to have it like the money pit, who knows they're planning to have it done in 2022 is what I saw yesterday yeah, on, I, so. uh, I forget her name, whatever the queen's name. I forget her, her Jackie, exact name, Jackie but Siegel. She, Jackie, that's yeah. right. Jackie Siegel. She put on Instagram that they're also trying to get like a reality TV show made about getting the house back up and running and finishing the construction. Oh, sure, I yeah. think she, she keeps like tweeting and tagging the real housewives of Miami to oh, yeah. kind of put her on the show. So it is, looks like the drama is still going on. I was well, happy and when to they, see that. And when they started filming this documentary, uh, it wasn't about the real estate crisis because the real estate crisis hadn't happened yet. It was just that about was the house. Perfect. And then, yeah, and then the real estate crisis happened in the middle of it and they almost lost the house and you know he almost went bankrupt and all that kind of stuff. And you know eventually it all worked out and he was able to save the house. He tried to sell it at one point, but nobody wanted to, to buy it. I loved that <laughs> how near the beginning they're asking him why it is that he's doing this. And he kind of gives like the Mount Everest answer of, you know, how oh, because it's there, it's because I can do it. And then near the end, they're asking him it again. And he's kind of like, he's sitting there and he's just, you can tell he's already aged just in like the last three or four years. And he's like, I think I said something like I did it because I could, or I wanted to. He's like, don't spend the money you don't have. And you can just, and you see him literally throughout the documentary in piles of paper, like surrounding like entire rooms. And oh man, I feel, I'm surprised he didn't have like a heart attack and he's still around. But that's a funny thing for a guy who made his fortune and runs a timeshare company. Cause like the whole kind of principle behind timeshares is kind of spending money you don't have. I mean, it's kind of a shady, shady industry. And I've, I've never encountered someone who's really happy with their timeshare. And so it's funny that he would come to that realization. It's like, that's your whole business. That's what you do. Well, he, I guess he kind of kept saying that same thing too. He was relying on cheap money and eventually caught up with him. Like if, yep. if things go wrong, no one's going to want to keep their properties. And then at that point, the banks are going to need money. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and then that, well, brings, that brings us to our next one. Uh, the big, well, the big I actually, court. I had a question about this for you so um this was the one that i felt was the most in the middle in terms of the um like on one side we've got we've got the very corporate movies like the big short and margin call and then you've got the people dealing with houses this felt like the one that was combining the two of those the most because you have the the king uh, don is it don siegel david siegel david siegel yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then you have um Jackie Siegel, who is completely, she even, I don't know if you can believe her or not. I kind of did believe her that she had no idea what was going on. And she just kind of lives this, I spend the money and, you know, the, so I, I just, I just need more money and I need the credit card and things like this. So she's kind of on the, she just sees it as a palace. She's living yeah. in a palace in the same way everyone else kind of sees everything as their own palace. So I thought that was interesting, but do you feel any level of, are they bad I don't want to say bad people. Are they evil people? Do you, I felt like there were points in the movie where like they kind of hint at this level of, oh, greed, and it makes you fall and everything. Throughout the whole kind of just felt like, oh, what a sad story about people that, you know, were unfortunate in getting this thing. And like, you know, they're getting the biggest house ever. And it's kind of like, oh, well, huh, I guess maybe you should, I don't know, feel bad at them for doing that. But I just felt sorry for them. I mean, I, I think, I don't think they're evil, but I mean, I think David Siegel, I think he knows that his business takes advantage of people. I mean, I don't know how you could sell timeshares and not realize that you are taking advantage of people and their sales techniques are, are pretty pushy, you know, and I don't know how they 
wouldn't realize that they're taking advantage of people. And so I think now okay. Jackie Siegel, I just think she is someone who was not raised with money. And so she doesn't really understand how to deal with it or preserve it or wisely spend it. And so she just kind of, you know, just spends on things and buys things thinking that caviar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just all the stuff for that house. Like how much stuff do you need? Like there's too much clutter, but, uh, and I just think that's somebody who wasn't, who wasn't raised with money all of a sudden having, you know, basically an unlimited supply of it and never, no one ever taught her how to deal with it or, or the proper, proper use of it. So. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think either of them were, were very evil either. I thought a few times the, the movie might've maybe hinted at, at something in that direction of you. It, whenever he talked about George Bush, I felt like it was kind of eking in that direction and he didn't do himself any favors in that interview. I didn't think, but um, the, uh, I thought it was funny, I guess, last point, whenever she goes to visit Tina and yeah. then like the captions at the end, are like Tina was having to foreclose on her house. And then it was, Jackie sent $5,000 to save her. It's like, five, like that was kind of a moment of like, isn't Jackie so sweet? And that is sweet, but it's also like $5,000. You know that she spends $5,000 every day on just yeah. like her own shit. Exactly, yeah. But again, it, I I thought mean, that was funny. it wouldn't have solved the problem for either of them because I mean, just giving, like that's the whole thing. Like just, <laughs> Jackie has all this money that she never really earned and that's why she doesn't appreciate it or really know how to, how to deal with it. <laughs> I thought that one was funny. I thought yeah. I liked the Queen of Versailles a lot. That was very I did. It, it was good. It was good. Hopefully they make a sequel or something. I don't know. But are they? If get they get this house built. They need yeah. to. I hopefully they're back out there filming yeah. for like a follow up of what's going on. Yeah. So, all right. So now the Big Short, 2015. So this one has huge actors in it: Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt. And so it's all about the uh, 2008 mortgage crisis. And Christian Bale plays uh, Michael Burry, who. Uh, had a bunch of short interests, uh, you know, in mortgage-backed securities, and and kind of made a made a fortune doing that. And it's kind of their their story. So have you have you seen this one? I saw this one. I saw this one in theaters. So I oh. am going to be talking about a movie that I saw about five or six years ago. But oh, okay. I did see this one. I liked it a lot. It felt like a very entertaining documentary with very very famous actors. Yeah, it, uh, it felt. Yeah, go ahead. I thought it was a little too many big actors in it too many like kind of big actor scene stealer kind of actor I, I thought it was a little too much it was a little too too much in the um the personalities were too big uh, like I, too I, distracting from what's actually happening yeah and like just kind of unrealistic like you know a lot, a lot how of the, much of a lot it of is bundling hmm? yeah go ahead a lot of those characters were a lot cooler than their real life counterparts and i just thought they kind of made it you know, people in the real estate industry are not that cool as, you know, Christian Bale and Ryan Gosling and all that. And just kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't I remember the part wherever they are kind of looking at or there's a part where they're looking at two guys that are kind of bragging at the bar. Right. Yeah. Two real estate people. Yeah. That seemed a little bit like a uh, like they're like mobsters in the 40s or something like that. It kind of had that feeling. And so I didn't know. Is that the type of thing you're talking about? Yeah, just a little kind of too cool for school, kind of, you know. Yeah, like it, it's, I feel like the feeling at the very end is, uh, and the questions I had were more about the feeling at the end of the, oh, crap, this could happen again type thing. So I don't know if it was maybe, do you think they needed to portray people like that in order to make a wide audience feel the level of danger that they're like? Like they're not gangsters, but they might be as irresponsible as the type of gangster characters you think of. Yeah, do you think that was part that. of it? Yeah. And I, I think the movie did a good job of explaining the, the whole situation in a way that people could easily understand and digest. So I did think it did a good job. 
Do you think that, is there another bubble like that that you think is going to pop? I mean, eventually, but like, what do you think? I don't believe so because so much has changed since then. I mean, I was, that was right when I was starting out in the industry. And so I saw it. And uh, so, you know, we, you know, as title agents, we were sitting there saying, you know, I can't believe these people are approved for this loan. You know, the, the loan originators are saying, I can't believe I got these people approved for this loan. The people buying the house are saying, I can't believe they approved me for this loan. And so it was just kind of this, you know, in the piggyback mortgages where you would get, you know, your uh, 80% mortgage from one lender and then a 20% mortgage from another lender says so you're not putting anything down. So, you, and, you know, stated income mortgages where you're just like, they're basing the, your loan amount off of what you say your income is. And so people were saying they're, they're gross, not their net. Uh, so their whole take-home pay would end up being their mortgage payment. And so you'd have houses foreclosed on with no equity. And just those kind of tactics, Whoa. that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, loan standards are much higher and much more stringent than they were back then. And so the loans that are, that are out there now are much better loans than they were in, in 2008. So I don't think it's going to happen again. Okay. Do you think they're making another bubble somewhere else right now? Uh, I mean, there, there may be a slight correction in the real estate market because uh, prices are very, very high. Uh, but a lot of that's just due to inventory. It's not due to bad loans or anything like mm. that. It's just due to lack of supply. Uh, you know, whereas back in 2008, the prices were crazy just because people were just buying and getting approved for loans for everything. And so it was more just yeah. kind of a demand function rather than a supply function. So, uh, so I don't think, I mean, there may be a correction, but I don't think it'll be like 2008. I don't think that'll happen again, just because the standards are so much higher now that the loans are good. better. There aren't that many bad loans out there like there were back then. Okay. Well, thank you. There you go. I can read, yeah. I can rest well at night knowing there won't be another crash like that. It's scary. Near the yeah. end of the movie, it was scary because I, doesn't it, it does end on a level of like the banks are continuing some bad practices. I thought it ended like that. Yeah. And, and they may have initially, but I mean, right after that whole crisis, everything, you know, clamped down and the standards were even higher than they are now. So, uh, oh, okay. yeah. So, I mean, right after that, the standards were crazy high to get a mortgage. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think they did kind of learn their lesson. Uh, you know, they've, they've loosened up a little bit, but no, nothing compared to what it was in, in 2008, you know, when, when the, the peak of the crisis. So. Cool. Good. But, yeah. but I was <laughs> yeah, actually, I like that. I was I like actually supposed one. to go work for a title company right when that, that crisis was happening. And, uh, they were about, I was about to start and then, you know, the crisis happened and their biggest client, which was countrywide mortgage pulled out of Louisiana. And they're like, we can't, you know, we can't afford to to hire you now. They, they, had, they were, they were opening, they were about to open up a sixth office and they had to shut down to like three offices. So, yeah. So and was, didn't the crash yeah. happen right after Gustav in Louisiana? I thought it was pretty soon after that happened. That, I that it came Gustav that, that was, happened. but, uh, I thought I that was 2008. I thought Gustav was like 2006 or seven, maybe. I don't know. Mm, I might have my timeline mixed up. I, I didn't have my, my eyes on, on the papers too much during the financial crisis. Yeah, but I mean, it didn't really happen all at 2008. Like it was a slow kind of buildup. Like the foreclosures started happening more and more. Uh, because I remember there were people out there shopping for foreclosures and they're like, there's no, there's no wiggle room because the entire mortgage balance is what's owed. So there's no, you know, the bank's not really gonna, can't really negotiate that much. So, <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I like the big short. I thought it was, I think it's a lot of fun. I did too, but uh, the next one I much prefer to the big short, which is margin call, which is two. That's what I wrote down. That's the note yeah. that I wrote down. This feels like the this feels like the actual real world story of how something like 
the big yeah. short happens. So this is I two, liked it a lot. 2011, Kevin Spacey, Zachary Quinto, Demi Moore. And so this is about the 2008 financial crisis, but this is kind of, this is the night they find out. So this is like, this is all about the day that they find out that this is all going to happen. And Zachary Quinto's character is kind of, you know, the, this kind of genius uh, rocket scientist who now works in the financial industry. And he's the one that figures out uh, with the help of uh, another character that this is all, you know, these, you know, this is all going to blow up. And so it's yeah, kind of yeah. that whole story. And supposedly it's, it's based on Goldman Sachs because they were the first ones to figure it out and, and get out. Uh, but, you know, no one really knows, but supposedly they were the ones that survived well, it, because they figured it out first and sold off everything. And yeah, <laughs> well, I, I felt like comparing this one to the big short, like if the big short, you kind of start right off the bat and it's like the whole thing's narrated. So someone's always going like, so you want to figure out how this happened? Well, I'm about to tell you. It started with this, and then this happened, and then that person did that thing, and blah 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 blah. This one, I thought this one was a lot more suspenseful because I have no. If you want, I don't actually know what's going on. Like the amount of times that people in this movie go speak English to me, and then they have to say the complicated thing in a normal way. Like yeah. this one felt like it's the whole movie is like slowly peeling back the skin on this like dying industry, and each scene you get a little bit more of how effed up the whole thing is and then it ends with one of the characters explaining to what is his name it was will explaining to seth in the car of how like forget all these people that it's going to going to affect look out for yourself we did what we could for them blah 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 they don't really matter it's all about us and all the stuff we do and it's like the whole movie like it shows how terrible everything is and how the people running all this stuff just have this feeling of Oh, he made two and a half million this year. I made a quarter of a million. I made this. I made that. I spent $70,000 on booze and hookers and things like that. Like it doesn't ever like say to you, how could these people do this thing? You're just watching it happen. That's exactly. why I like this movie a whole lot more. Yeah. And it was, you know, very realistic. I think the characters were, uh, you know, very much like they would be in the, in kind of the real world. So. So it, it felt like a thriller. I thought it felt a lot like a like a, it had that thriller because you don't. I never. I watched the scene wherever they are looking at the computer where Zachary Quinto is showing them what he's looking at. I had to watch that three times because I felt like I don't fully even get what they're saying is happening here. Like I get the, I feel the level and the gravity of the situation, but it's not until then Kevin Spacey comes through and then they have like the. It's not until like they're actually with jeremy irons where you're like oh wow okay so you're yeah. selling everything tonight is what's actually happening exactly. I, I, I really love this one yeah and uh, uh, yeah so I, I think it was good I, I do think it's based on goldman sachs but uh who knows maybe we'll never know <laughs> uh and so the, okay. the next one is uh the war of the roses 1988 michael douglas kathleen turner danny devito off there you know kind of at the time when they were just the it group they had just done like romancing the stone and uh I haven't seen Jewel Romancing the Stone. Oh, great movies. Great movies. I thoroughly I haven't seen this one either. Oh, okay. I love this one. Uh, I, so I thought this was very funny. Yes. Yeah, so the movie starts out with Danny DeVito. Uh, you know, he's a divorce attorney and one of the one of the partners at the firm, you know, comes to talk to him about getting a divorce. And so he tells the story of the Roses, who uh, just kind of like this uh, couple trying to kind of build their life. It's kind of the story of them trying to build their life together. And part of that is this old house mansion really that they find and they go through the process of kind of renovating it and and turning it into their dream home and then once that's over uh their relationship kind of falls apart because it was kind of their whole relationship was kind of based on this goal of 
creating this perfect life, you know, having the perfect kids, having this beautiful house, and then it's done. And they kind of don't know how to live with each other anymore. And they go through the process of getting a divorce and neither one of them wants to give up this dream home. And so they decide to, while they're going through a divorce, try to live in this house together and, and divide it up and just, they just fight like cats and dogs during the whole, whole thing and, you know, end up killing each other. But uh, <laughs> I love, I, first of all, I think Danny DeVito is an awesome director. I forget yeah. the exact name. I think it was like throw mom from the train was another movie that he directed, oh, very nice. yeah. mm-hmm. which is a fun, like, it's just very fun. Like it, and it, it everything feels very physical and um, the, you know, the camera tricks and all of the cinematography is a lot of fun. Like the, it tells the story visually in a way that's very, very fun. And that's, that's the, I thought that was the most fun thing about this. I thought that the house again, felt like it played a character and it represented not knowing, I thought it represented value. Like they always talk about how much they value it, but throughout the whole thing, um, what, what is her name? Remind me her name. Bar, it's Barbara and Barbara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Barbara, she has like a misplaced sense of value. Like everything of value is in the house. And she's got that great kind of like uh, voiceover where she's talking about how she's worked her whole adult life to kind of make this house what it is. And she loves it and it's special to her. And then she talks about how she does it and everyone that sees it, sees the value in it, but she hates all the people that see the value in it. Cause she hates that type of person. Yeah. Michael Douglas, he throughout the whole thing is going through this crisis of like, well, this, I own all this stuff because I, I have the value in it because I got the money that paid for it. So that's, you know, that's the real value. And then at the end, Danny DeVito is talking to this guy and he's like, look, if you're going to get a divorce, Think about this because yeah. reassess the marriage before you go down this road because it's not that easy. And like, look yeah. at the value that you have. So that I thought that was kind of like it felt something that was going on all throughout the movie. But even without that, it's so funny. They do a yeah. great okay. job. They're so mean. They're so like there's so much bitterness in the movie. It's so funny. Yeah, they, I mean, they just have the great chemistry, too. But, uh, you know, which which can lead to those great fights and the fact that they have chemistry to begin with. But yeah, and it's just kind of like, she doesn't really know what to do with herself after it's finished. Like that was her whole purpose. And now what, what does she do? Uh, and she starts the catering business that he kind of, you know, shits all over. Uh, well, he pees <laughs> all over it. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, the dog, I, the part with the pad tie. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That was so, that was rough. That was yeah. but good. That was very good. And uh, I did divorce work briefly and uh, it does get like that. It's uh, it's whoa, like, that's it's that's so not where people kill each other, but where they fight over every little thing. And it's not about it's not really about what they're fighting over. It's about not letting the other person win and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So it's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that, though. What what is it that Danny Dio says at the end? We said, like, uh, be generous to the point that it's going to give you night sweats. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, that was great. I thought that was very good. That was very good. Funny, very funny movie. Great movie. Now, I mean, there, there was some debate on whether they actually did kill each other at the end, whether they actually died or not, but some people think they did. I, I think they did. Do you think they did? Okay. I think they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, My thought was that they hadn't, but that does actually hearing you say that, that does make sense. But that regardless, sense. the best, I mean, one of the best scenes of the movie is that final scene with her where he, where he puts, his hand on her, like they're about to die or whether they die or not, who knows, but they're about to, they, they may be, they may be dying and he, he puts his hand on her and she just like the last thing she does is just move the hand off. I was like, that is just perfect. Perfect ending. <laughs> it really, I feel like that's a tough thing to do. I don't even, I didn't even feel that in the worst parts of the relationship of the breakup, 
but I really felt like they hated each other. Like that, oh, yeah. even though you like both of them, you hate them together so much in this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So then uh, our next one is Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Ross. So this was 1992, of course, like Jack Lemmon, Alec Baldwin, Ed Harris, Kevin Spacey, uh, adapted from a play. And so I love movies that are adapted from plays uh, just because I think the settings. Really? I love that. Yeah, because it, it's all kind of dialogue heavy, contained usually to one location. And so I just kind of love movies that are based off plays for that that reason. <laughs> I usually like that for, yeah, I love the, I guess more, I love the one location movie like movies that do that and normally i guess yeah plays do kind of force that into yes. the narrative i people, i love and, that and people who actually perform the play when they do the movie they they emote a lot and and they kind of you know i don't know it's just a little more expressive it seems like from people who who did a play and then do the movie version of it <laughs> oh i see what you mean oh, yeah. did you ever see did you ever see the hateful eight the tarantino no, I movie never, i never saw that no that one's fun but in that one i mean there isn't a play of that one but it has that that exact feeling you're talking about. It feels like a play. There's two settings the entire time. And each one you get like an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes in each setting. And obviously, I mean, if you want good dialogue, he, he's got the best dialogue. Yeah, I feel like you'd probably like that movie for that. Feels yeah, like I'm definitely going to check that out. So, uh, but yeah, this is kind of that early days of real estate, kind of just group of realtors just trying to, uh, or they, they may not be realtors, they may be just real estate agents, uh, just trying to, you know, cold call and, and make as many, sales as they can and then uh you know alec baldwin's character comes in with these glengarry leads they're just these amazing leads on these great great buyers and you know everybody wants them <laughs> an interesting bit of trivia i found out while looking it up and, and i guess i should start by saying i love this movie whenever you send me the list i said this is this is the movie i've seen this i don't know how many times i've seen this movie this is probably in like the top 10 movies for me i love glengarry glenn ross um it's so i feel like the whole movie is so sad even whenever Al Pacino shows up, even whenever uh, Alec Baldwin shows up and they're the successful ones, it feels mm -hmm. so sad. Like the people they're talking to feel yeah. desperate and sad. Like it feels like it's working. And you're saying this is the early days of real estate. So I'm interested to seeing how this is viewed when looked at through the eyes of what they're actually working with when it comes to real estate. But it feels like they're working with the same level of desperation in Queen of Versailles because okay. no one seems to, everyone's like so desperate for that yes and there's so much because there's so much lying going on too i guess not full-on lying but you know that every time that jack lemon calls he's always got he's got that like really sad way of lying about what's going on and it feels like maybe this worked whenever it was your heyday but the whole thing of kind of like uh what is it uh Heather, can you go ahead and put $10,000 of cash in a briefcase? I have to leave in 45. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you need me to stop by on my way to the airport? Like, it's just like, oh, man. And you're so, you need that money so bad. And you're like, you're ruining your own life. And you always use like, oh, my daughter is an yeah. excuse. Just so pitiful. The movie feels, I love the movie because they, everyone feels so desperate. And it's got this feeling of sadness throughout the whole thing. And uh, it, that rarely happens. And also the dialogue, dialogue is incredible. Well, it, it kind of parallels to the the Queen of Versailles in the way that you know the characters in Glengarry and Ross are uh, they're just they're doing cold calling, they're doing the hard sell, they're basically just like kind of salesmen, just like a timeshare you know person would be, just kind of a salesman. Whereas you know in modern modern real estate, you know agents are you know, they're in the relationship business, so they want to build a relationship with you so they can get your repeat business and get your friends business and things like that. So it's more of uh, establishing a relationship and treating you well rather than just 
closing the deal, moving on to the next sale kind of thing. You know, they, and so, so was the relationship building not around in this era of whenever Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross would have been performed like on stage and then made into a movie? It wasn't, it was a very kind of, uh, well, I mean, there wasn't the internet. And so the internet changed a lot of things and people just didn't communicate as much as they did. So uh, you, you, it was harder to get a bad reputation. Uh, there wasn't a lot of information out there about the real estate industry. It's not like today where you can just, everything you want to know about the real estate industry, you can find on Google, you know, mm. in five seconds. And so it was just kind of a, it was a more mysterious industry. Not a lot of people knew about it. Uh, not, not a lot of people were okay. doing it. And so it's just kind of a, a very different industry at that time. The, the, the association of the national association of realtors uh, wasn't really that as big as it is now, then like the, now the national association of realtors, I mean, it's hard to find an agent that's not a realtor, you know, Okay. now, and, and they have a higher ethical standard than the regular state laws that govern uh, real estate agents. And so they kind of police yeah, a lot better than it was policed, you know, back in the day. Yeah. It feels like it feels like they're operating in like a wild West kind of situation because they all feel like snake oil salesmen. Like even yep. the best ones feel like snake oil salesmen. Even Alec Baldwin's there and he's like, first prize, get a Cadillac. Second yep. prize, steak set a steak knife. Yeah. The rest of you fired. And it's like, yeah. what, who are you? What is this is? Yeah. Like what type of be, person are you? Closing speeches is one of the best, you know. The best oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that has, yeah, that's like become, that's a meme now. That's like lived yeah. on a, be, above and beyond the movie itself. Yeah. This watch costs more than your house, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're all so good. Like they all feel, that's it. I feel like they all feel sad. Like even Al Pacino feels like a sad character because he's always like the, one of the other than what Shelly's going through, the Jack Lemmon character, um, the, Ricky Roma, like that moment wherever uh, the the sale that he did the night before comes in and he's like trying to keep him on board. You feel so bad for 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 Al Pacino because he's yeah. just oh, he's losing it like he was on top of the world and now he's totally losing the whole thing. And then Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey messes everything up, which Kevin Spacey's he's good in this. Kevin Spacey's Sucks that he ended up being a creep because he's yeah, a great actor. Exactly. Yeah, he does. And then uh, the Jack Lemmon's character ends up being uh, the basis for Gil in The Simpsons. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's So that character in The Simpsons is based off Jack Lemmon's character in Lynn Garrigan Ross. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, very cool. Very yeah. cool. What I guess what, what else do you feel like is a, difference between the way things are done in this movie when you watch it compared to how things are done now? Um, it's just the, the cold calling uh, isn't really done anymore to sell people real estate. So you don't, you, you do that okay. to get listings or, you know, establish relationships, but you're not selling people real estate over the phone anymore. That's just not, it's not happening. Do you think and, it's people, do you think it, the real estate agents just attracts or the real estate business attracts a whole different type of person. Like would these people be able to make it in the way the real estate industry is run today or do they just no. kind of. No, they, I mean, okay. they may, they may be able to scrape by and, you know, make a little bit, uh, you know, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't be a top producer or anything like that. Or, you know, just because it's, it's all about building relationships over years and you have to actually like being in the industry and like doing it. If you're only concerned about getting the next sale, your, your business is going to collapse because people, you know, people will see that and you won't pro be providing the kind of customer service people expect now, you know, they expect a relationship. They expect you to kind of be there for them. And I've seen it. I've seen agents that, that operate like that, where it's just, 
they get the contract signed and they're kind of, you know, out of touch or whatever, like not very involved in the transaction and they don't end up really doing that well, you know? So is that, you know, you can't just, you know, base it just all on sales because you're going to run out of people to, you know, to kind of sell things to. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Ed Harris person especially seemed like just the most yeah. unbearable person to be around. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. It's so a the, great movie. I love that movie. Oh yeah. And so the last one we'll talk about, uh, it's not really a real estate movie, but it, uh, I wanted to bring it up because uh, I heard a fan theory on this one, uh, which is Caddyshack, 1980, Rodney Dangerfield, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray. Great film. I heard a fan theory about this. Uh, nothing in the movie really supports this or whatever, but I thought it was an interesting theory. So we all know that Rodney Dangerfield's character is a real estate developer. Uh, so I guess that's kind of real estate related, uh, which he's very, very typical kind of real estate developer. Uh, in his in his attitude and the way he acts, but uh, a fan theory was that he was trying to destroy the country club because he wanted to buy it and then develop the land for like shopping centers and condos and things like that. Okay, that so makes that, sense. Yeah, and so that's why he was kind of causing all that trouble. There's nothing really in the movie to support that theory, but I just thought it was a, a funny a funny theory. <laughs> Everyone loves Caddyshack, so a reason to bring it up, I don't think is uh, I don't think is a problem. And that's very know, funny. If you, I didn't know, know. if you want to know how real estate developers are, they're just like Rodney Dangerfield. And I mean, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are just like that, that kind of like gruff, you know, rough around the edges, you know, never hold their tongue, say what's on their mind all the time kind of people. I can imagine that he felt a little bit. I could see a little bit of uh, David Siegel in him. Yeah, a little right. bit of the I'm sure he would fight with eight of his children over the fact that electricity was being left on too long in the house. Probably. Yep. So probably. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's it. So that's all the, the movies I had. So, I mean, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, jumping on and talk about all this stuff with us. Anything you want to talk about? No, no, I don't have anything in particular to talk about. I wish I had a, I don't have a real estate dealing going on that has to do with movies. Otherwise this would be the perfect podcast for that to kind of yeah. reverse the conversation, yeah. but maybe, maybe you can uh, make the next great real estate movie. That could be your next project. <laughs> there it could, that could be something. Hey, the, what goes on in Glengarry Glen Ross, maybe a, maybe a story about an old style real estate person, someone from the old era still trying to make it in the new era. That could be, oh, that would be interesting. just scraping there, by. Yeah. And there are a lot of those out there still using, you know, handwritten contracts and fax machines and things like that but uh, <laughs> you know actually maybe one thing we could do because i i've started i have a podcast episode that i did with someone i kind of want to get a longer form thing going with the channel there are a lot of very like a lot of the art house theaters and kind of the more vintage and the smaller amcs here have very interesting spaces that they put their theaters in so that could be that could be something actually. I might kind of do a little bit more research on that, send that over your way, and maybe we could maybe we could have a conversation around that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. So you're one of our favorite guests. So uh, yeah, for everybody uh, listening or watching, uh, thanks for sticking in with us. Uh, all of Nathan's links will be in the in the description. So if you want to check him out, the Five Minute Critic on YouTube. And thanks for being on the show, Nathan. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much, Brian. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Uh, Again, like all of Nathan's links and all of my links are going to be uh, in the description. Uh, and if you like this episode, give us a like or uh, give us a five-star rating if you're listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts or one of the other podcasting platforms. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.